Hey guys, welcome back to Real Time Crime. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jedi. And we're so excited to welcome our spooky season and October. So our category for this month is Halloween. And the first episode is Shauna Howe. Take it away, Hannah. We want to begin this episode with a bit of a warning. This case does involve sexual assault of a minor. So if that is a topic that you're not okay with, that's totally fine. And just be on the lookout for our next episode. So today's case is about Shauna Howe, and it takes place in 1992 during the month of October. She would have been 11 years old. And on October 27th, 1992, Shauna Howe had gone to a Girl Scout Halloween party after school that day. And she had dressed up in a, um, like a gymnast's kind of leotard thing. She was very excited about it. Um, so she was very excited too, because she got to walk there and she got to walk home. And, uh, this is a very small, quiet town. It's called Oil City, Pennsylvania. At the time it had just under 12,000 people. It was a type of town where you leave your doors unlocked, you know, your neighbors, things like that. It's okay to let your kids walk home. And she was said to just be like a really cute little girl with page boy haircut. She's brunette, uh, just like the sweetest girl who didn't bother anybody. Um, so she's walking home in the evening. I think they said it was about, she was supposed to be home around like eight o'clock or something, something around there. And so she's walking home. She's about two blocks from her house and a man grabbed her, covered her mouth and put her in a car. And we know this because a man who was just happened to be out for a walk in the neighborhood named Dan Patton saw this happen. He was a couple blocks away. And the way he described it was he could see Shauna walking in one direction and then from another direction, this man coming and they, those two couldn't see each other, but he saw them both and he saw the whole thing go down. And again, it's at night, so it's kind of hard to see what's going on, but he could recognize that a tall, skinny man grabbed a girl, Mm -hmm. a younger girl, and it had looked like he approached her and talked to her and then grabbed her. And he saw her get muffled because he kind of heard her scream. And then the man ran towards a car and he didn't, he couldn't see the man put Shauna in the car because it was parked near some bushes, Uh but they ran in that general direction. And then that car took off. Did he do anything to try to stop it? Yeah. So he ran, as soon as he saw the man grab Shauna, he was just a couple blocks away. So he ran as fast as he could, but by the time he got to that, intersection the car was peeling away so he was able to see that it looks like shauna got into that car or was put into that car he got the color of the car he said it was kind of a dull dark red and that it was definitely a pennsylvania license plate and that's all we get so and like i said he couldn't see her be put into the car but it sounded like she was and Thankfully, this man went to the police immediately and said, hey, I saw this crime happen. I don't know who it was, but something happened. So they knew that there was a crime. They were just waiting for a name. And about two hours after Shauna was supposed to come home, her mom immediately called the police. Mm -hmm. So right away, they know that there was a crime. They know that it was Shauna. And they've got a little bit of information. At that point, though, the case goes cold. Instantly? Pretty Well, I mean... You know, they they interview people, but they don't have a lot to go on. Yeah, because it was so dark. They've got 
basically no description. Right. So the man who grabbed Shauna was called Eldred or Ted Walker. And at the time, he was letting two brothers, James and Timothy O'Brien, live in his house. What the circumstances are, I wasn't, it wasn't very clear. But um, so we end up finding out from Ted later on that he passed the girl to the brothers in the car and they took off and they went to his house. So they get to the house and, and this is where things get a bit rough. So if this is not the episode for you, totally fine. They, the brothers took Shauna upstairs and Ted says that he went into the kitchen to make some dinner Mm -hmm. and he could hear struggles from upstairs and he heard her yell something like, get off of me. And he said that at that point, he told them basically just to leave his house. Like, I don't care what you do. Just don't do it in my house. Like, I don't want to be a witness at my house. Right. It's like, oh, that's not. It doesn't really help, but I mean. Right. So it was hard to figure it out. But basically, he either he had left the house. And by the time he got back, the brothers were gone with Shauna. Or they had left immediately with Shauna. Either way, the last time he saw the three of them, Shauna was alive. And they were leaving his house. So this all started, though, because the brothers were living in his house. And they wanted to do pull a prank on the police in the town for Halloween. They wanted to show that the cops were incompetent and wanted to embarrass the police department. L-O-L. Right. (laughs) So the initial plan, apparently, was to kidnap a boy. And then they realized that a, a kidnapping a little girl would cause more of a, a, an uproar. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they went with the little girl. And Ted says that he knew about this plan and he was kind of like blackmailed into it. I, he says that when he tried to like say no, they threatened his son. So <clears throat> that's what we have. So... In the meantime, though, so the police know that there's something going on. They know that this little girl is missing. So over the next two days, uh, searches are conducted throughout the town. They, they're they guessing that the people who did this or the person who did this has got to be in the area. It's a very small town, things like that. And so they're looking around, and two of her uncles, or one of her uncles, actually found a piece of her costume under uh, a railroad trestle, which is like, um, like a railroad bridge okay. kind of thing, if you can picture that. Oh, I can't imagine how heartbreaking that must have God, been. God, yeah. So they find this, and then it's the next day they find Shauna 200 feet away from where they found a piece of clothing. Her body? Her body. 200 feet away. Yeah, about 200 feet. Um, so it was apparent that she had been thrown from the top of the bridge and had landed kind of in the river down there. Um, and she sustained a great deal of blunt force trauma to her head and torso. And that's, what's believed to be the, the, the cause of her death. Oh no. The tragic part of all of that though, is that the medical examiner, uh, realized that the way that she had like a dislocated shoulder and the way that her arm broke kind of shows that she tried to break her fall. Oh, like she tried to hold herself when like she, she fell? Like she was alive when she oh, got thrown. So they find her body. They find this piece of clothing. Again, it's 1992. And they can see that 
there is some bodily fluid on the piece of clothing, okay. but there's no DNA evidence testing, or at least this DNA was not in the system yet. Mm-hmm. So no one gets arrested for the crime until 2002. Oh, wow. How many years later? Like 11? 10. Crime in nine, 1992, October of that year, and no one was arrested until 2002 when finally the FBI was able to connect the DNA evidence on Shauna's outfit to James O'Brien, who was at the time in jail. He had been arrested in 1995, forget this, kidnapping a woman. Yeah. So he's already in jail, and guess what? His brother is too. They're also kidnapping? Oh, worse. Sexually assaulting children. Oh, God. Yeah. They can they confirmed or James confirmed to the authorities that he and his brother Timothy were living in Ted Walker's house at the time that this crime had been committed. And so they go and they search Walker's house. And when they spoke to him, that's when they found out about the plan, you know, the the planned prank thing, how it had turned wrong. So over the course of this investigation, Walker changed the story somewhere like 15 times. But the gist that we get is is what I had mentioned earlier that he had made some dinner. He heard screaming. He told them to leave. Shauna was alive. So in 2005, Walker pled guilty to third degree murder and kidnapping. He made a plea deal with them, and he got 20 to 40 years. So that's you know that's good. Yes. And then, so we're looking at almost 13 years after Shauna's disappearance, all these men are finally being convicted. The two brothers were convicted of second-degree murder, third-degree murder, kidnapping, involuntary deviate sexual intercourse, and conspiracy to commit kidnapping. The jury acquitted them on the first-degree murder charge, and they were given a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Perfect. Yes. Which is, which is just great because at the trial, it's reported that they didn't even show any remorse. They they didn't plead guilty. They didn't seem sorry. One of the brothers was, it was reported that he was chewing gum. Like they just, it didn't seem like this phased them. And I wonder if it was because they had already been in jail for similar crimes, you know, like one for sexual assault, one for kidnapping. And for Shauna, it was, you know, a mix of both. So I'm wondering if they were just like either desensitized or just, you know, they said, I'm already in jail, might as well just be in here forever. Who knows? Or they're just plain evil and don't really care. (laughs) I mean, at the time of the sentencing, they were both in their mid to late 30s. And the crimes that they were in jail for already, I I didn't get the um, the exact sentencing they got for that. But those are serious crimes. And I can't imagine they were going to be getting out anytime soon. So I would imagine you're on to something there. And who's to say that those are the only crimes that they've committed anyways? You know, it might have been, all right, you got me on those. So the thing about this case, though, you know, it's it's incredibly tragic, obviously, but it shook that town. It was inc- all the parents, you know, were just shook. It was a whole generation of kids were impacted by this because for 16 years after Shauna's disappearance, trick or treating in that town took place during the day. Oh, no. Yeah. And three of those years were after the men were convicted. It wasn't until 2008 when a couple of kids got so frustrated that every time they would go trick-or-treating during the day, no one was home from work. Yeah. So they finally got um, they got a bunch of 
signatures on a petition. Mm -hmm. And so the town was finally able to lift the ban and change trick-or-treating. Oh, there was a ban, like a town ban. Yeah, well, it, it was... I guess not ban is the wrong term. Well, like a town regulation. Yeah, regulation. Oh, I thought it was just a decision that the, you know, the town people had made. No, it was, yeah. They oh had to God. go and get a petition and get a certain amount of signatures. And these, these were just little kids who just wanted to go trick-or-treating. That's so sad. 16 years later. It's incredible. And one of the articles I was reading was from a crime website, like some, like a blogger. And she's actually from the area. Oh. And she, she's... Uh, she was like eight at the time that the men were arrested and they they mentioned that that this town it just it just isn't it's never been the same this is a cautionary tale told by all the parents she said she remembers that her mom would tell her this when she was like eight years old and she said she didn't go into perfect detail but it was enough to scare me and I was never out of her sight again so it's just incredible she also mentions that um, the town was known for keeping their doors open, but now, you know, they close their doors. The kids are walked to the bus stops by parents. Like it, it changed everybody. I'm sure they didn't even play like in the front, like only play in the backyard or right. Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine the fear. So were these men from this town? Do you know? It was hard to see or okay. hard to figure out. Walker definitely was. His okay. house was in the area. As far as where the O'Brien brothers were from, it was hard to see. Um, but it, it seemed that they were in that town long enough to kind of yeah. know what was going on. And then it seems, too, that they stayed in the town for a while. Maybe not in Walker's house, but they were there. I think that's scarier than having, like, an outsider, you know, like, the actual murder and kidnappers living in our town rather than, you know, someone from a couple towns away Right. So I feel like maybe that's why the the fear just stuck for so long. Yeah, and that and that's exactly it. That's why they they kept it for so long because this case went cold. And this girl was taken two blocks from her house at eight p.m. So yeah, maybe it's a little dark, but it's it's two blocks from right. her home. So yeah, the whole town just I would imagine felt very like betrayed and, for and sure. a serious alert. For sure. I had looked it up recently, too, to see if the trick-or-treating had changed at all in the town, maybe just to see what it was for this year. Mm -hmm. And when I looked it up, the majority of the town, so it's split up into, like, townships, and the majority of them are 6 to 8 p.m. on Halloween this year. But there's still a couple where it's, you know, October 27th, October 30th. Like, there's still a couple areas, it looks like, that might still be cautious to yeah. this day and i think they will forever be affected unfortunately it's such a horrible tragedy um so we don't really want to scare anyone or deter anyone from going trick-or-treating however we have done takeaways for the past two episodes and the one thing that i say i want to mention is maybe um encourage big groups of trick-or-treating especially if you're going with young children uh, maybe like take your big sibling or take your aunts and you know take take the rest of the friends um, and we are in different times so you just never know and I don't want this bad scary story to scare <laughs> all of our listeners and just say oh we're not gonna go trick-or-treating so Right. Yes. This this is the cautionary tale right. that has changed things. Makes people lock their doors. Makes people be a bit more cautious on nights like Halloween. 
So just do your best to stay safe because it's such a fun night. You don't want to ruin it. Exactly. And even today, I just know we have, especially on that day, there's always more surveillance. And I know a lot of towns have cameras and even a lot of people have like ring cameras and surveillance cameras. So worst case scenario, I think um, there's always someone looking. So please don't be scared to go trick-or-treating and have fun. (laughs) Get a lot of candy. So that wraps up our episode on Shauna Hell. As always, we are so, so grateful for everyone that has liked, shared, listened our podcast. Um, honestly, it just means the world to us. We received a lot more support than we ever even imagined. So we're so grateful for that. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Real Time Crime. And we also just opened up a Facebook page. So you can follow us and like us at the same handle, Real Time Crime Podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you.